0: Recording and
1: I am too. (laughs) It's really weird to have
0: Frankie. Shit, (laughs) 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 you want to start this episode? Are you ready? (laughs) All right,
1: hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to okay. All right,
0: so (laughs) hi everybody, I'm Frankie. (laughs) Stop, don't laugh at me. I'm doing my best. I don't even know why I laugh. This is
1: gonna be a problem. (laughs)
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Frankie.
1: And I'm Daniel.
0: And this is Propagated Podcasts. Yay! Episode three. Here we are. Numero tres. Long
1: time coming because I am a procrastinator of the... Degree and have been flaky, but here we are.
0: Okay, but also the world has been falling apart. Like today, I was marching for Black Lives Matter, and it was really cool. It's really cool to see. Like the the whole world is falling apart in a very good way. I think
1: it is a startling way, but a very it is hopefully going to enact the kind of change that has been needed for centuries at this point. (laughs) Yeah, literally forever. (laughs)
0: yeah but I I got very sunburnt like this is the first time that I have been outside since it got warm and I don't know if you can see over the camera but my scalp is like hella red
1: (laughs) I was on the lake a couple days ago and definitely got incredibly like lobster sunburnt which tanned over fairly nicely so far and I'm going back to the lake tomorrow
0: I do have to put out a disclaimer. I know my peas are super harsh. I know when I say plants, I really go for it and I'm sorry that probably just really hurt your ears, but I have a pop filter on the way and I promise it will be better going out from here.
1: <laughs> I got my pop filter already. Oh. And I don't know how harsh my P- my peas are, but if they were harsh in the past, I apologize.
0: <laughs> Ha-ha. I up uh, I I don't even know how not to do peas harsh. I up uh,
1: not like that that. (laughs) I'll
0: just do what I can when I'm editing I guess
1: (laughs) oh lord fantastic
0: alright here's what I think so I think that since (laughs) we're so terrible at rock paper scissors (laughs) (laughs) that we should just switch off and I'll go first this time (laughs) because I really I don't know if I can go through that again (laughs)
1: I am down for whatever. It is totally fine with me to not suck at rock, paper, scissors for the world to hear again.
0: I'm like, we can't go through this every week. People are going to be like, all right, I'm unsubscribing. I'm done. I'm done with your struggles. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you for putting up with us, y'all. We're so happy you're here. I think I'm going to go first. Yeah. We talked about last week doing something a little bit more fun, and so we decided we were going to do some a little boozy episode. Um, I am going to talk to you. I'm really excited about this. I feel kind of badly that I took this from you, Daniel, because I know it's your drink of choice. I
1: am jealous. I'm not going to lie to you about it, but uh, I'm going to learn something new today, and mine is kind of low-key cooler than yours still, so I'm into it. Oh.
0: Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> um Yeah, Daniel was like, which one do you want to take? And I was like, agave, give me agave. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of my research came from this book that I am absolutely in love with called The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart. Shout out to you, Amy Stewart, because it is one of my favorite books and also inspired this podcast. And one of the first chapters is on agave. And I don't know why, like, this is going to sound really dumb. I don't think I realized that most alcohol comes from plants actually all alcohol comes from plants and i don't know why that ever click like didn't click in my brain like yeah you know
1: yeah i mean it is definitely weird when you drink alcohol all the time like i do at least to like realize how much you don't actually know about alcohol yeah and i mean i'm even a bartender that's like that's that's my job and just doing the small amount of research that I've done so far for our little boozy series that we're going to do, I've learned a lot. Totally,
0: And the history of it all, too. Like, you can't really go into it without going into the history which i think is pretty cool i was never really a history fan but when it has to do with alcohol i'm into it
1: <laughs> yeah it turns out if i'm reading history about plants and booze I'm, I'm not mad at it anymore i was never a history buff either it was
0: so funny when you texted me the other day and you're like yeah i haven't written a single thing about the plants but i got really into this war and like way <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: i mean i'm definitely gonna go ahead and throw my disclaimer out uh, mine is very plant-adjacent, <laughs> more than it is plant-based. This week, unfortunately, to know anything about the type of booze I'm going to be talking about, you kind of have to understand a little chunk of history. So we're going to start there and work our way up.
0: Let's get this started. I can't wait to tell you about agave. Okay, All right. here we go. We're going to talk about agave. Uh, I am going to do another disclaimer because... I am probably going to pronounce some things wrong. I lived in New Mexico for a while, and a lot of my family does live there, and I learned a little bit of Spanish, but that said, I still am not great at the pronunciation, so we're gonna try our best, and I apologize if I butcher it. Alright, so there are two different types of agave we're gonna talk about. There's the agave americana and agave tequiliana. Um, Both are in the botanical order of Asparagales, which is pretty cool. It's closer to asparagus and hostas and yucca than it is cacti.
1: Is it weird that that kind of makes me want an asparagus liquor? (gasps) I kind of want to try an asparagus liquor. Like I wonder if it can be done. I mean, it definitely can. I mean, it certainly can be done. It is possible. But is it drinkable? (laughs) Should it be done? Is the question. We do have the technology. (laughs) I mean, there's artichoke (laughs) heart liqueurs already. Like, if we have artichoke heart liqueurs, let me try my asparagus liquor. Like, that sounds fun to me. For sure.
0: Fun fact: I'm actually going to talk a little bit about. I mean, not about asparagus hearts, but the way tequila is made is actually a lot like asparagus hearts. Or not asparagus. uh, Fucking artichoke artichoke the other the other a, oh, the a okay plan. do you ever get sunburned and take a sunburn nap because that is what happened to me i was like oh i'm so sunburned and sleepy and immediately fell asleep
1: that is like a classifiable thing like literally you probably got a low case of sun poisoning and it oh. does make you tired it's
0: like a Joy. real thing that happens. so okay we're gonna blame every stupid thing i say in this episode on my sun poisoning absolutely <laughs> All right, I'm into it. I'm into it. I can't be blamed, people. It's, Play it's that my blame burnt game. scalp.
1: So into it. <laughs>
0: okay, so Agave Americana, also known as Maguey in Mexico, also known as the century plant. So you've probably heard it said the century plant before. Have you heard that?
1: I actually have not. Really? The century plant.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, um, I'm going to call it rumor that it blooms every hundred years, which is not true. But that's why they think it's called the century plant. It does grow very slowly. Every 8 to 30 years it blooms. So it's more like a decade plant than a century plant.
1: 8 to 30 years. Mm
0: -hmm, To grow. They are very slow growers. And basically the whole time they're growing, they're just storing up all of their energy to bloom. They have very little water needs. And a lot of people call them because they're so tall the century plant like s-e-n-t-r-y instead of century right so they think that somewhere along the way the name probably got a little mixed up too their life span depends on the vigor of the plant the richness of the soil and the climate they can get up to seven feet in height which is two meters just the plant and when they're blooming they can get up to 16 feet with the blooms which is five meters 16
1: yeah, huge. feet with the blue 16
0: blues? feet yes
1: that's wild who would have ever thought I definitely know, like in my head know what it looks like mm-hmm. just from looking at bottles of tequila and having that generalized <laughs> idea of what it looks like but I would never really considered how large they actually are it's pretty crazy
0: do you like my little drawing of an agave plant look at a cute
1: agave doodle into it
0: <laughs> I do have a fun fact You ready for this? In Boston in two thousand and six, there was a fifty year old agave that bloomed. And when it bloomed, it had a thirty foot stalk, which is nine meters.
1: Thirty foot.
0: Thirty feet. It was so big that the greenhouse it was growing in, they had to cut a hole in the roof for it to keep going.
1: (laughs) Right, but that's like a monumental thing, I suppose, at that point, since they don't since they take so long to mature and bloom. You're gonna definitely cut the cut the fuck out of a window or a ceiling with that. One hundred
0: percent. If you're like running this greenhouse and it's been in there for fifty years, once it blooms, you're like anything you want, babe. Anything Anything for you. Literally
1: (laughs) anything. Literally, I will tear this fucking building building apart (laughs) so that you can bloom.
0: Uh, So, we're gonna go a little bit into the history now with an alcohol called pulque. Have you heard of this?
1: I have, actually.
0: Ooh, what do you know about pulque?
1: Pulque is traditional. It's like one of the original distilled spirits, right? Or it wasn't, or was it distilled? It's not, it's distilled, not distilled, no. It's not distilled. It was before that.
0: You're right. It is one of the original. There is evidence as far back as 200 AD that people were drinking pulque in Mexico. And disclaimer, I'm going to tell you about this process. And as I was reading it, I was horrified. And I know that it's just a plant, you know, but... For some reason, I'm like, oh my god, this poor plant, this is so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's just the druid in me, <laughs> feeling feeling empathy for plants. But basically, so it's piling these sugars for a decade or more, it flowers, and then right as it's flowering, you cut it right at the base, you cut the stalk. And so everything that it had piled up to put into this flower, it puts into the base instead, and so the base swells, and the wound is covered and it's left to sit for months, where the sap builds during these months. And then after a couple months, it's punctured so that the heart will rot. The rotten interior is scraped repeatedly so that the plant gets super irritated and the sap just starts to flow profusely.
1: Wow, that's like, that. that's a lot.
0: It's a lot. It's that's a lot. lot.
1: It's like, who? I always get baffled by the, like, just like the thought of, who the fuck did this first? Like, right. who the fuck yeah. came up with this process that we're going to cut this plant as it's flowering <gasps> and force it to rot, scrape it and agitate it till it produces yeah. enough sap for us to make a boozed beverage out of it?
0: Like, yeah, I'm just gonna abuse the shit out of this plant and then drink whatever happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're just going, we we're gonna learn today and see how drunk we can get. We've all. <laughs> Apparently, humanity's always Hell yeah, been about brothers! Them. Let's do it!
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So it's extracted every day, and it's up to a gallon of sap a day.
1: That's a lot.
0: Yeah, and this happens for months, up to about two hundred and fifty gallons of sap from one plant.
1: That's that, okay. Yeah, wow.
0: Yeah, you can fucking have a rager with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, so then the plant crumples and it dies. And you take this um, this juice, this agave juice nectar sap, and it takes less than one day to ferment. And it's ready to drink and it has to be served fresh. You have to drink it immediately, which is why you don't really see it on the markets because it can't be preserved or transported or anything like that. Crazy. In the 1950s, I'm so excited to talk about this. I don't, it's so dumb. It's like my little kid brain is like, ha ha, poop. <laughs> in the 1950s, there was a botanist named Eric Callan. And he had a laboratory in Montreal, but he was from Scotland. Um, and he pioneered this process called car- coprolite analysis.
1: Co- coprolite.
0: Coprolite, which is basically rehydrating samples of poop.
1: I mean, that's fun. Of
0: ancient... You know,
1: ancient ancient poops.
0: Ancient poops, yeah. And so he rehydrated it. He rehydrated this two thousand year old sample, and immediately said you could smell the pulque. Like that's how strong of a smell it is. All right, so let's talk about mezcal and tequila. Mm, Our mezcal, favorite.
1: Uh, I know.
0: I want. Why do I not have mezcal at, at my house right, right now. now? It's
1: like. Usually, I always have a bottle of mezcal here.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that's blasphemous. How do you not?
1: But I mean, it's just didn't happen. I know this why same.
0: I don't because I drank it all last week.
1: I mean, I have drank definitely more than one full bottle of mezcal by myself during this quarantine. Oh, it's just the best. So I feel you on I feel you on the finishing them off bit.
0: So the plant is agave tequiliana, also known as blue agave or agave azul. <laughs> it, mezcal and tequila are a hundred percent. Blue agave. There are rigorous specifications for this. Uh, These plants grow at an altitude of above 5,000 feet, which for international listeners is 1,500 meters. They grow in rich sandy soil and Basically, what happened was the Spanish were invading Mexico during the Mexican War of Independence, and the Spanish troops were like, hey, we need some stronger stuff. Like, this pulque shit is not doing it for us. (laughs) So they basically tried to distill pulque, but it didn't really work. But the peoples of Mexico pre-Spanish invasion had a very long history of roasting the hearts of agaves for food. And basically they realized that the roasting breaks down these sugars and gives it a rich caramelized flavor, which distilled makes for a rich smoky liquor. Mm. So that process looks like the very similar. The leaves are hacked right as the stalk starts to form. <sighs> Breaks my heart. I'm sorry. So
1: many, so many agave flowers that never get to be seen.
0: I know. Mm. No, wait. This is a light, happy episode. I'm not going to get dark with it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So then the leaves are hacked off as the stalk starts to form, and then there's this d- dense mass that they call the piña, and that is harvested and roasted in brick, stone-lined ovens in the ground, and they're covered. And they're left to smolder slowly for days. All
1: I know is that you're making my mouth water because I really want to. I want tequila, but I'm trying not to open the bottle that I have because <laughs> I'm trying to save I mean, it for tomorrow have. for the lake. And it's technically <laughs> illegal to take an open bottle of liquor oh, in your car.
0: Right, 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 right. So basically, they had these agave hearts that were roasted, and it sounds delicious. Honestly, I would love to try some someday. That sounds so good, but they started distilling them using Filipino stills, because basically the Manila Acapulco galleons were these huge Spanish trading ships, and for two and a half centuries, they had ships going back and forth from the Philippines to Mexico, and because it was only a four-month trip, it was a pretty easy, good trading trip, and so there was a lot of Filipino and crossover with Mexican culture as well, and these stills are kind of cool because they're mostly made out of plants uh they're made from local items and it's basically a hollowed out tree i'm gonna try to science here we go enterolobium cyclocarpum
1: i love that really good
0: (laughs) also called guanacaste, which is known as elephant ear or monkey ear. It has a few different names. Yeah, it's a tree in the pea family, and basically it's hollowed out. And then you put, it's like the the hollowed out trunk is perched above an in-ground oven lined with bricks. And the fermented mixture is put in the trunk, and it's brought to a boil. And then there's a shallow copper basin above it. So basically like a lid on a pot, and it collects all of the boiled... Purified vapors, and then it siphons off via wooden chute below the basin, which is usually bamboo or rolled agave, and then it's distilled, and it makes mezcal.
1: Awesome! I love that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yum.
1: It's really cool that they use mostly plant-based stills. Mm -hmm. I think, like, I guess that's just because whenever I think of a still, I like picture my family's like heritage with moonshine and I just imagine totally. like the typical like metal twisty pipes like into a copper bin looking yeah device when I think about distillation and it's cool to think about it being done in a tree via plant. that's cool that's really
0: yeah cool. uh today Tequila is a spirit that is only from desi- this designated area around Jalisco, from the Cultivar Agave Tequiliana, which is also known as Weber Blue. Um, it's farmed in large fields, and the distillation process is when it's heated and steamed in ovens now. like It's it's a little bit different, a little more streamlined, because obviously we're drinking a lot of tequila. Yeah. You and I are participating in that. <laughs> a lot of Americans, though, drink something called mixed toasts, which is... Only up to 49% fermentation um, from non agave sugars. So it's less than, basically less than 50% agave, which is why you can sometimes get really bad tequila hangovers because there's a lot of non agave sugar up in there. <laughs> um, I don't mean to get dark. I'm so sorry. I really am trying to keep it lighthearted and happy. I thought tequila would be safe but apparently it's not. <laughs>
1: Nothing is safe anymore.
0: <laughs> Nothing is safe because the issue is that with these Weber blues, it's become a monoculture because they stopped introducing wild agaves. And basically how they're reproducing agave right now is they're using the cutoff stalks to create new plants. So basically every single plant that makes tequila right now is the same genetic makeup. And so it's like really ripe for disease and fungal infections and all kinds of stuff like um
1: definitely uh, i like that that hurts my heart to think how close to destruction tequila is
0: 100 like percent right yeah it's, it's tentative perch. right now it really is because the other issue is that like wild agaves for a long time were seen because they're so prolific and all over the place they were seen as near these this resource that was nearly unlimited and impossible to decimate but that's you know the same kind of dark thinking that led to the decimation of the redwoods and all kinds of stuff so it's just you know we're seeing these agaves go get get decimated basically like because they're not using the seeds from the flowers there's no genetic diversity which is also really kind of horrible because they're not letting these plants flower the pollinators um the greater long-nosed bat is the number 1 pollinator for it which I think is pretty cool I love bats <laughs> but You know, we're seeing lower populations of these bats and insects and hummingbirds because there's no flowers for them to pollinate because none of them are blooming because they're cut off before, you know, so we can make tequila out of it.
1: Wow, how disparaging is that?
0: All of the botanists that are, like, working on it now are like, listen, this plant is genetically exhausted. It is so ripe because of uh, pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, and, like, the chemical use in the water— leads to the degradation of the soil and so these plants are just not doing so hot
1: right and i mean obviously if it takes that you said what every anywhere from like eight to 50 years Mm -hmm. for maturation yeah then uh, like obviously there's not going to be much crop rotation so you know the soil has to be dead yeah that soil is obviously being supplemented significantly because it has to just be dead
0: totally one of the biggest pests right now is the agave snout weevil which basically bores into the plant and introduces this bacteria that rots it out from the inside and they hatch larvae that eat the plant from the out from the inside and it just rots and um since it does bore into the plant insecticides are completely ineffective so that's really what's been decimating it currently but it is savable. We can save tequila and agave. So look, look at me being bright and happy and cheery again. This is exciting. We're having fun. They are trying to introduce like intercropping, so that that is better for the soil and all that. Um, trying to introduce laws that will protect the wild areas that will protect genetic diversity of agave. So before it's too late, we still want to have that genetics that are out there. And they're trying to reduce chemical use so that doesn't you know, destroy the soil and, and weaken the plants. And, yeah, restoring the soil health, making it healthy again so that these plants can be strong and fight off these these dang weevils, these snout weevils. Snout
1: weevils <laughs> threatening my tequila. My tequila in good times. Come on now. Yeah. Fucks up. Okay, though, evil. but to
0: be real, disclaimer, tequila is the best liquor. Isn't it the only liquor in the world that's um, an upper instead it of a is. downer? It is. It's
1: the only liquor... And definitely correct me if I'm wrong, because if I don't, because if this is not true, I want to know what other liquor is a stimulant. Yeah. But to my knowledge, tequila is the only liquor that is a stimulant. Yeah. And all others are a barbiturate, which uh, are classified as depressants.
0: One of my favorite memories of you is when I was having a really rough day and I came into the bar and you were like, I don't know how to help. Here's a shot of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is my love language.
1: <laughs> That's me. For sure. <laughs> I am not good <laughs> in emotional things, but I can get you drunk and get drunk with you.
0: You know that's exactly why I came to you, though. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it? That's agave. We did agave. That's it. That's all I have. That was,
1: that was like, cool, though. I, like, definitely learned more about the tequila making process, which is always mm-hmm. good information as a bartender. So Frankie earlier uh, gave a disclaimer, I'm going to do the same, because I do not know anything about speaking Chinese in any of its various forms. Uh, And the liquor that I will be speaking of today uh, found its roots in China. So I will be pronouncing words wrong, and feel free to correct me if that's what your heart tells you to do, but I will go ahead and get ahead of you and say that I know for sure (laughs) that I will be mispronouncing some of this, and I apologize in advance. So the way when i was looking up a pronunciation guide just for the name of the liquor itself it seems like uh contextually the way that you pronounce it changes depending on the situation that you're in hmm. so i'm going to be saying "baijo." if that is incorrect and i say it wrong this entire podcast i apologize and let me know because i, I don't like sounding dumb but
0: you know, there's always that one person that's, like, itching in their seat that's happened to me before where I'm like, oh, you said that so oh, wrong. so bad.
1: <laughs> I know. And there will be—and I'm sorry if I'm causing you that level of unease because we have all been there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so when I think of alcohol consumption, at least, I guess I've always just kind of thought that, you know, one of the more prominent spirits in the U.S., like vodka or bourbon— or tequila, or whatever, what have you, would be the most consumed alcohol in the world, right?
0: Yeah, it's. I, I mean, you go to any bar and they have vodka, tequila. Yeah, it's
1: like your standard rail liquors. You know, I thought one of those would yeah. be the most consumed liquor in the world. Well, boy, was I surprised when I found out that that is in fact a lie that I have told myself for a number <gasps> of years. It is actually baijiu. And while it doesn't have a prominent footing yet in the United States, it is here. I have been looking for it. If I have any lovely fans out there that want to send me some, <laughs> have DM you had it before? Me. I haven't. I've actually never tasted it, and I'm really
0: no me either. And I
1: really want to. I called the liquor stores here, and it seems like they do not carry it. Oh, boo. I've looked at ordering it online, but with being in North Carolina and its prohibitive liquor laws, a lot of places won't even deliver here.
0: We're in the Bible Belt. We don't drink here.
1: Just that mountain moonshine. If it ain't homegrown, we don't drink it. (laughs) As, As I say that sitting here as I'm drinking Tito's vodka, which is out of Austin, Texas. Tito's, I love you. You've been one of my drinks of choice you one of my drinks of choice through this whole quarantine. Um,
0: I'm gonna, yeah, I'm do we know anyone at Tito's? Let's let's call them up. Hey, sponsor us. Yeah, sponsor
1: <laughs> us. I will drink and talk about you in every podcast because I do that pretty much anyways. <laughs> but anyways, vodka, by the way, is the number one selling spirit in the United States. Makes sense. And I'm sorry, Tito's, but Smirnoff, to be specific, is the highest sold vodka in the U.S. Hmm, fun fact. But yeah, I was literally taken aback to learn that a liquor that I had never even heard of, the baijiu, yeah, was the world's number one consumed liquor. And was equally depressed that I didn't know this wealth of knowledge about Chinese history and the creation Zhao, Bai Baizhou. There's, I don't know, there's a lot of ways that I heard how to say it, and I'm probably going to switch between those, and I'm sorry.
0: Is this the one where you had three pages of notes on just history? Uh, yeah,
1: we have cut that down significantly. <laughs> I'm not going to bore you guys that badly.
0: <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I always feel like I always feel like mine are gonna be so long and then I'm just like, oh, I'm already done. Oh, and God, you, you're I'm like, I'm like let's talk like about the short. dynasties of China. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we are going to briefly mention some Chinese dynasties. I'm not gonna lie to right, you. I'm
0: here for it. I'm um, so here but for anyways, it. Anyways,
1: story time. Let's talk about Baijo. Um, so as we know, Chinese culture is super rich. It's one of the oldest and longest lasting recorded cultures that we know of. And when it comes to alcohol, we have recordings as far as nine thousand years ago, where people were using things like rice and honey, and grapes and hawthorn fruits to catch a buzz, which is awesome. That was like, and it was called jaihu, I think. I don't know. Um, and that's the world's actually oldest known beverage. Ooh. So that's cool. That's j i a h huh. u. Yeah. I'm not gonna try and pronounce that again. But that is the world's oldest liquor. But essentially that's, as I said, about 9,000 years old. It's kind of had a modest start in like, the farms of rural China. And now we have baijiu, which is a modern-day industry in the People's Republic. And, and alcohol there has played a role in everything from religion to art to philosophy and politics. Like, Alcohol is steeped in Chinese tradition, which I didn't hmm. know. That alcohol had played such a large role in Chinese history. Again, I'm sorry, I'm gonna be a little history nerd on you today, which is very Let's not normal it. for me, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Uh, but by the first millennium BCE, you know, Chinese civilization was really taking form, and that was, and wine was wildly popular at that time. And over time, a grain alcohol fermented drink takes precedence, and that's when Zhou. Enters, which is the same spelling as the end of Baijo, it's like the earlier form, but it's not stilled yet, it's just a drink. And this is like literally the first millennium BCE, so this is like thousands of years ago, way back. And then we get a little bit further and we get to the first millennium CE. And now you have full Chinese kingdoms, more civilization, or more structure to the civilization. And then we get Wang Zhao, which is the second iteration that we get to before we get to Bai Zhao. And I think this is kind of an interesting era in Chinese history. It's when Taoism and Confucianism were both prominent as like the leading religions or philosophical methods, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And they both spoke out about alcohol and debated about Wang Zhao and its usage. We had, like, the Confucianists being like, no, like, you can definitely drink, but you need to practice moderation because you can't, like, connect with the divine if you're too drunk to connect with yourself kind of thing.
0: Okay, I could see it. I could see it. And then
1: you got the Daoists over here like, nah, get fucked, get wrecked. If you get wrecked, then you are more enlightened because you're allowing yourself Dude, to be more yes, free. yes, I
0: knew I liked Taoism <laughs> for a reason. I have a Taoist book right here. <laughs> it makes so much sense So <laughs> the Daoists
1: out here partying, getting drunk on Wang Zhao all the time. Wang Zhou, sorry. But it's great, and it's awesome. I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was really funny.
0: I love that. That makes me so happy. I love that both of them are like, yeah, no, you can still drink. You know, I feel like so oh, yeah, many was, of like, our religions are like, never touch you know, alcohol. I mean, that's what my
1: parents' religion is like that. My mom has never had a drop of alcohol in her entire life. Not Really? One,
0: wow. Not
1: one drop of alcohol in her entire life. I'm sure she's super happy that her son's an alcoholic. But that's a story for a different day. <laughs> too real, too real.
0: Back it up, back it anyways, up, back to China.
1: <laughs> let's go to 13th century China. So it's the 13th century, you got Mongol hordes of Genghis Khan and his disciples, like, smashing into China and spreading across Central Asia and the Middle East. But, fun fact, in the Middle East, they've mastered distillation. So that's fun. Genghis Khan, kind of a prick, but brought distillation. Kind (laughs) of. Brought distillation to China. And, I mean, that's not... I'm going to give a disclaimer on that as well because they there's sus- there's suspect information there and that was a very long time ago so some people think that the Chinese may have already found their own ways of distillation. The article I said I like copy and pasted it exactly. It said the archaeological evidence is murkier mm-hmm. suggesting that distillation may have arrived arrived earlier via trade routes so we don't really know if it was Genghis Khan if it was China yeah well fun fact
0: like everyone says it's because of the Spanish that the distillation of tequila came to being but like that's why I mentioned the Filipinos and like the 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 Manila Acapulco ships because like they were Spanish ships but it was the Filipinos that brought the still. And so it's like the Spanish get the credit, but it wasn't their equipment. <laughs> it's
1: like, <laughs> so. thank you, the Spanish, for having the agave. <laughs> but the Filipino are the reason we have tequila, really. If we want to yeah. like break yeah, that yeah. down.
0: Okay, you had some ships, but ships don't make tequila, right, so calm right. down. <laughs>
1: Chill your shit. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so we're in 13th century China. They found they found distillation, and then they take the wangzhou and distill it. And then originally they called it burnt wine or xiaozhou, hmm. and today we call it baizhou.
0: So does it have like a burnt flavor? Is that why they call no, it that? we're going to
1: get into the flavors. This is a whole... Oh, I'm sorry.
0: I'm just so excited. I'm There's sorry. a little <laughs> bit
1: about those. I'm going to try and not make this another three hour of me talking episode but <laughs> that I'd was a no joy promises. to edit don't worry um, <laughs> all right so now that we know just a little bit and i mean that just the tiniest sliver of knowledge about the creation of baijo i went down a massive rabbit hole there is a lot of history and it. it is very cool let's talk a little bit about what goes in it and there are several different types of uh flavorings or uh they call it a uh, sense for baijo But the most common grain and the one that we're going to talk about today is sorghum. Mm. And sorghum is actually really freaking cool. Guys had never really looked into it. I know that it has been used and is like very diverse. I've like known that it's very diverse plant and is all over the world. Sorghum itself has about 25 species, many of which are used for human consumption in one way or another. It's also the fifth most important cereal crop grown in the entire world. Mm. Um... Where was I and what was I talking about?
0: Sorghum, sorghum. What is sorghum used in? Like, I, I don't know if I've ever is, seen it Sorghum is, I mean, used. a lot
1: of sorghum is grown and used mostly for uh, cattle and uh, livestock heard. feed. Gotcha. Um, is like a lot of it. Interesting fact, uh, sorghum was introduced to the United States in 1757, and... Its first known recordings uh, were actually by Benjamin Franklin, curiously enough, oh, who wrote I know him. about its usefulness in making brooms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that must have been a riveting article to write, Benjamin. <laughs> this
1: plant has its uses. It's like it's very, it's a very useful plant.
0: It's for cattle and brooms, brooms. and alcohol, <laughs> brooms and
1: booze and. and <laughs> Thousand shite. Who knows? Um, <laughs> another fun fact about sorghum. And, th- and again, I'm going to repeat my disclaimer. I did say that this episode was going to be plant adjacent. I did not do as much informational research. That was redundant. Did not do as much research about uh, sorghum as I should have. So only have a few little blurbs about sorghum and then we're going to continue talking about it's, We
0: talked about it. We did um, the thing.
1: <laughs> but sorghum actually comes from it's like a, one of the oldest grains that has ever been like talked about. And the name sorghum comes from the Italian Italian sorgo, which in turn comes from Latin, which is syricum granum, mm-hmm. which means grain of Syria.
0: Oh. And fun fact. it was
1: like a middle eastern very heavily grown and cultivated plant and has like is one of the first known cultivated crops uh it's also used as a biofuel which is fun which i think is kind of interesting because it's a similar process to make biofuel uh to get down to ethanol as it is to make a liquor so you mentioned in your portion a little bit about the distillation process i'm going to go back into that a little bit and tell you how baijo is distilled which is similar but a little bit different so obviously first you have to source your sorghum and there are different types of sorghum i'm going to give my roommates a second to stop throwing things into the trash outside because i feel like you'll be able to hear that
0: we're professionals in professional sound recording booths if you can't tell uh, sponsor us please right, please please please? <laughs>
1: please, please, sponsor us <laughs> I think we're interesting it'd be way more Anyone? fun to listen Anyone? to if we have better equipment plants alcohol um, Tito's <laughs>
0: um,
1: all right that sounds like that's chilled out now let's continue so obviously you have to source your sorghum which is not that hard to not do. not for brooms not for brooms but for you <laughs> and so for baijo they do solid-state fermentation which is essentially where they take the sorghum and they steep it in hot water for about 20 hours or so. And then the grains have time to absorb the water. And then they take the grains out of these massive watery, hot watery pits and put them in a steamer. Hmm. And they steam them until they're soft enough, until the sorghum is soft enough to just like peel apart or like, break apart with your hands then they take the grains from the steamer and allow them to cool then there's the stuff that we're going to get in a little bit deeper about in a second called chew which is Q-U they distribute the chew evenly over the grain and they mix it up and then they put the grains into a bacteria cultivator for one full day 24 hours then you're going to transfer them to a fermentation pit and allow them to ferment and then you there's this process called saccharification i don't know how to pronounce it and i didn't look that up and i'm really mad at myself right now saccharification and fermentation at this point that's when they mix old mashes and new mashes which we'll talk about in a second too gotcha and then you put it all into a distillation tank you distill it the spirit comes out You collect the spirit and you separate the head and tail from the heart. So the head, the tail, and the heart are essentially like the different steps in uh, the distillation process. Like between when it first starts running would be called the head. And it's usually really high in alcohol and has a more pungent flavor. So they take that and mix it back in with the old stuff. The heart is the stuff that you can immediately bottle and is ready for use. And the tail is the stuff that usually is very low in alcohol and doesn't have as much flavor, but the flavors that it does maintain are usually more pungent. Mm. So they add that back into the... To the...
0: The next batch.
1: Sacrification batch as well.
0: Gotcha. Um,
1: but that's what head, Headtail and Heart are. Cool. Which is another distillation thing I learned and didn't know. I see Frankie over here fanning herself, and I am oh my God, feeling I'm that so because hot. My, this I... little closet being completely <sighs> closed in is... Very yeah. hot. I
0: had to close all the windows and turn off the fans, and I'm sunburned, and I'm hot, and I'm sweating, and the boob sweat is real, but I'm trying to make this I podcast mean, work, and I guess if it doesn't work, we know enough about distillation now that we can just start we'll a burger. Start room.
1: Start a <laughs> room. Fucking liquor company. We'll use a new type of agave and cultivate it properly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah. And not
1: have it be at risk. We just can't Listen, call it Listen, you can't abuse
0: the plants.
1: <laughs> um, all right. Sorry, getting super sidetracked. Uh, now that we know a little bit about the distillation process and we know a little bit about the history, we're going to talk briefly about the Chu, which is actually what makes Baijiao Zhao, Baijiao. Zhao. Hmm. Chu is an old East Asian dried fermentation starter. That is one hell of a sentence. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say, say that five times fast. <laughs> chew
1: is an old East Asian dry fermentation starter. Damn, no, I'm not even gonna try. Just doing it. Once Look at you, bad.
0: so impressed. That's my best friend, everybody.
1: <laughs> Pretty much any alcoholic beverage that you're drinking is going to have some fermentation process behind the scenes. That's just the way alcohol is made, almost all of them. And Chew is super cool because different types of it exist. And the reason there are different types of it is because they're all specific to the regions that they're made in. And obviously, now we have the ability and money and time to recreate these environments in other places, which helped the proliferation of Baijiao as a more consistent product to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chu. I am being very scatterbrained, and it's making me angry at myself.
0: It's okay. This morning, I walked out of the house three times and didn't close the door all three times. Forgot. <laughs> just forgotten.
1: That's been my whole life today. I've just been, like, trying to... I think it's...
0: My whole life today. My whole life
1: today. <laughs> yep, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. The whole thing is just not... The pieces are not falling in together with each other very easily today. I don't know I what it is. I love that
0: so much my whole life today.
1: <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can figure out what the fuck I was talking about. Da, 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 da. da. We are talking about chew, which I hope I'm pronouncing right, because it's only a two-letter word, but I'm not positive. <laughs> um, there are three, actually, three major types of chew. There's... Again, I'm very sorry for how I'm probably about to butcher the Chinese language, which I'm sure is a very beautiful thing, but I have no idea how to actually pronounce these words. There's da-chu, zhao-chu, and then interestingly enough, red yeast rice. I don't
0: know. Where did that come from?
1: What happened? don't know. But that is like what it is commonly called, apparently. Uh, And while there are a bunch of other kinds, these are the most commonly used, and like I said, I could go for hours about the different kinds of chew alone, because it's a rabbit hole. And chew is used in all kinds of stuff too, it's like not just used for the distillation process, it's made, it's like for wines and vinegars, as well as baijo. And most forms of chew can be stored for as many as three years before expiring, weird little fun fact. (laughs) I feel like i these notes that I did. I thought were so good <laughs> and like streamlined and
0: yeah, and ready.
1: And now that I'm like trying to do this, especially with a little right bit of a buzz, you. I feel like I'm stream yep. of conscious, yeah. like <laughs> stream of conscious speaking to you guys. And I apologize. It's I, I apologize. I mean, you're doing great. Um, I
0: love it. I'm ha- I'm here for it. Back to you. Right back at you. <laughs>
1: Gross. I loved and hated that. <laughs> that at the same time. It was my favorite, and it was my least favorite. I don't know. Traditional methods of preparing chew have changed little since 544 AD or BCE or whatever you ascribe to. And essentially, it's where grains or flowers are imbibed with water, aka steaming or mixing them together. And then incubated in a warm and humid environment during a favorable time of the year, which is typically spring or autumn. While back then, no inoculums were used, which is like what create bacteria and and uh, fungi. They take these grains or flowers that are imbibed with water, and they let them hang out in a warm and humid environment. And sometimes they add herbs and stuff to them to create beneficial qualities. That's up to whoever's making it. And they keep them all in these, like, little huts and straw houses back in the day. And then, unknowingly to them, they were actually picking up all of these microbes, depending on the area in which they were Mm -hmm. living. And that's what makes the different Mm -hmm. types of baijiao. And then they would essentially, like, just press these little balls or bars out of this mixture and let them sit and then the microbes would come, they'd be like damn you looking fine it is warm, <laughs> it is humid it is perfect <laughs> yes, let me I am trying <laughs> to live on you <laughs>
0: uh, I'm not paying rent though <laughs> no
1: rent, this is mutually beneficial this is like, this is a <laughs> true symbiosis here <laughs> They would let these guys sit for weeks to months. And when they got a nice little colored coating of mold and bacterium, they would move them into the distillation process, which is how baijo is made. Nice. Yeah, realistically, that's about what I had in my shortened version of notes. And now I feel like, I don't know, we're over an hour, so it's fine.
0: So uh, I have a question. Yeah. Is it... Like, is it is it popular in every country and just not America, or is it just not, like, a Western drink? It's just drink? not
1: a Western drink, and there is actually a whole... You know, like, if you look up Baizhou, you're inevitably going to find companies that do want to make it popular in the United States c- because it is so prevalent in Asiatic countries, gotcha. primarily China, but it just never quite made it over here. From what I understand, having read about it, it is similar to as you would call a mezcal mezcal is not everybody's cup of tea it's Mm -hmm. very smoky Mm -hmm. has a very pungent intense flavor and apparently like i said i've never had the pleasure of tasting this liquor which i'm very sad about and do intend to fix at some point but, um,
0: if oh, when that happens, we're definitely doing a mini episode where we're trying it on cam- camera, on mic or phone. Uh, we'll, on uh, we'll, on we'll, film, we'll, I don't know.
1: <laughs> we'll shoot a little reaction video for the very first tasting <laughs> oh, fun. of yeah. Baijo because I think that would be fun.
0: Yeah,
1: but yeah, apparently it has a very strong and pungent flavor, and there's several different kinds they call them aromas that go everywhere from. Strong aroma, which is like the highest ABV, all the way down to like medicinal aroma, which is like typically a lower ABV and more herbal in its flavor.
0: Ooh.
1: And there, uh, it. it's kind of all over the place. Literally, when I was looking at it, there are about, what is it, says like 17 or 18 different aromas <gasps> of Baijo. <gasps> so I could have literally gone for hours about this and I tried to condense my notes today and I hope that my thought process was reasonable and that you guys got enough relevant information about Bai Zhao to be interested in it
0: yeah we can always do a part two
1: we could do a part two yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that rabbit hole again yet this is a, this is a, whole, <laughs> a whole night we'll just go just into like, all the dynasties like, holy and... fucking shit what like, <laughs> even is this stuff
0: I can see you like in your little recording closet, and you have all of the articles up around you. And you've got the red string like going from article to article, and you're like <laughs> trying to figure out like, no, wait, it couldn't have been this. Uh,
1: it was fun though. It was fun, and I really do enjoy learning about this stuff. Baijiao, bye- mm-hmm. by Zhao, Baijiao, Joe, bye, Zhu, bye, Zhao, by Joe, I've seen it pronounced in all of those ways that I just did. So I again, I really don't know what I'm doing when I'm trying to say chinese words and i'm sorry for that is really fucking cool though and i really want to try it Yeah, we have to try it we have to now really think that it's super fun that it even exists i think that yeah it's kind of crazy to me that there were people literally in before the current era before like any of your relatives could even think about keeping track of their lineage people were drinking booze and yeah that led to the existence of the world's most popular and most consumed alcohol which is Baijo.
0: nice nice i like that we covered like one of the more recent ones and then one of the oldest ones <laughs>
1: right i mean it...
0: i mean pulque technically is is old but tequila is not that i old. toyed
1: with the idea of doing since you were doing one of the like more typical standard rail liquors i was going to do vodka with you that was like my original plan Mm -hmm. and then i started the vodka research and realized that it's going to take me at least a week to sift through the information that i find and deem relevant enough to give to you guys because (laughs) that is a whole, whole fucking history too it's like vodka's a lot.
0: So yeah, next week we're going to I think do another boozy episode. Try to keep it themed every couple episodes. Um and yeah, we'll see you next week. We'll talk about some booze and some plants.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I'm excited to tell you guys about I'm going to do vodka next week. I don't know what Frankie's doing. Nice. I'm going to do cider. I'm going nice. to do hard ciders. ciders.
0: Apple trees. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next week then. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us on Instagram at propagated podcast, at Twitter propagatedpod, uh, Gmail propagatedpodcast at gmail dot com, and I think that's it. Thank you for joining Thanks,
1: us. Thanks, guys. Can't wait to hear from you all.
0: Bye. Mwah, mwah, mwah.